New Perak today, uh, daf number Samachtala, number 64. Yesterday was daf Samach uh, Gimel. We'll do a review of yesterday's daf, get to today's. Have in mind that our learning should be for Shlema, for Amy Basvora, for Moshe Ben Chefza, for Hadassah Basronia, Michal Aviva, Bas Yudis. And um, there was another name yesterday. Huh? Yosef Ben Mina. Okay. Um, all right, and uh, we're starting our review from the bottom of the page on Daf Samach, Beis on the Beis, where we talked about the rain, um, and it means the middle rain, the second rain, called the Revia Shnia, and uh, that's where that, that's on that piece that the Gemara is going. So Rabzira says that they're only arguing if they say the words Adak Shamim until the rains, but if they say um, um, till at a geshem, then nobody says that it's an actual rain. Everybody would agree that it means just the time for rain. Um, on that, the Gemara asks the question. It says, "What is the different times of rain?" Um, it's Gemara in tightness uh, that brings this down, and it says the early rain is on the third day of Marcheshvan. The Middle one is on the seventh day of Marcheshvin, and the late one is on the 23rd of Marcheshvin. That's from Meir Shita. Rebuda says it's seven, 23, and uh, seven, 17, and 23. So, um, and that's Rebuda. That's Rabbi and Rebiosi has it starting even later 17 is the early, 23 is the middle, and Chodesh Kislev, Rosh Chodesh Kislev is, the, is the late. And that's what Rabbi Yossi would say, that uh, when would be the time that you first start fasting, uh, that even individuals first start fasting, is only on the Rosh Chodesh of Kislev, if it still had not yet rained. Um, so, um, and we say on that, that the Revere Rishonah is relevant, because that's when we start being asking the Saint Talmatar. The third one's relevant, because if it still hasn't rained yet by the third time, so then we start the fasting, the early, the different stages of fasting, at least the individual start. But the second, what's that relevant? It's not again anything, like why is it even a halacha when the second rain is supposed to be? And Rabzeris says it's for a person who makes a nether. That's Rabzeris' answer. And we say, um, and who is this Gemara going like Rabshim Gamliel that if it rains for seven days in a row, um, you can count the Revia Rishon Ashnia in it. That only works if you hold like Rabbi because the dif- distance between Rishon and Shnia, according to Rabbi is a seven day difference because the 17th to the 23rd, that's seven days. Okay, so. Um, so the didn't we? I mean, I thought we said that it doesn't have to be rain. If you say Adageshem, it's just the Zmancham, and it's irrelevant whether it rains seven days or doesn't rain. So the Gemara explains, you're right. That's when you said Adageshem, you're right. But he said over here, Adageshamim, where at least we saw at least one opinion that when you say Adageshamim, it means till actual rain. And that's the answer to the question. Took us to the next, the Mishnah. See, I got my uh, traveling coffee. Okay. All right. Um, so uh, the Mishnah says somebody makes a vow not to eat, not to, not to t- partake from wine for a year. 
And you have a question? If there's a question, you have to talk up. It's hard for me to hear. Okay. Okay. Um, so uh, the question, okay, so the Gemara says, that the Mishnah says that it's a year, if you say for a year, it, and there's an, an extra month in the year, it's going to include that extra month. Um, if you say until Rosh Adar, the beginning of Adar, so it means the beginning of the first Adar. If you say the end of Adar, it means the end of to Gersos over here, the Ram brings down, one is the end of the first Adar or the end of the second Adar. He works with both versions. Okay. So the first thing is, is that Stam Adar, must, uh, our Mishnah seems to be saying that Stam Adar is Adarishon, because otherwise, why does it mean uh, the beginning of Adarishon? Obviously, plain Adar is Adarishon, which is only going like Rabbi because it's a Machlokes, which is the real Adar, <laughs> it's Adarishon, Adarishini. Rabbi Yudha says, that if you write it, uh, uh, star, um, ador, uh, uh, so adorishon, so, um, you write adorishon, and adorsheni, Rameir says, you, that's the real ador, you just write plain ador by adorsheni, and Rabbi Yudha says, no, adorishon, you write plain ador, and adorsheni, you have to write second ador, um, in order for it to work. So Abai says, no, we don't have to say that we're taking sides in that machlokas over here, and we're going... We could even be going like Rameir. Um, and uh, Rameir is only talking about in a case where you know that there's an extra month that year. It was known to you that there's two others, so then the second other is the primary one. Um, and the first one is just called Adarishon, that's the filler. Um, but uh, the, 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 the price says... Um, 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 Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar means Ad Rosh Chodesh Adar Rishon um, uh, that, uh, and the, the proof is this price because the price says that if a person says until Rosh Chodesh Adar it means until Rosh Chodesh Adar Rishon but if it's a Shana Mubaris then it means until Rosh Chodesh Adar Shady. obviously the first line can't mean that we're talking about where until Rosh Chodesh Adar Rishon when there's only one Adar because uh, then there's, there is no other Adar it's not so so obviously, they're both in Ibrayar. The first case is where we don't know that there's going to be a second Adar, then he means the first. And where he knows about the second, then he means the second. And that's the idea. It could fit in with Rameir. Our mission could even fit in with Rameir. And that is the story with that. Took us to the Mishnah. Now, this is unusual, pretty unusual that uh, for a regular Gemara Bavli that would have a Mishnah that ends or that ends without any Gemara on it, but I think I've seen it before. Um, anyway, so Rabbi Yuda says, um, um, So even though normally when you say the terminology that typically is, we take it to mean um, for the duration of Pesach, but but we but we are understanding here that that's not what he means actually because all he means is is that the time when you typically would be drinking wine which is the first night of Pesach when you have Talat Kosos. okay and he means up until when I have the mitzvah to drink wine he doesn't mean to say that I'm not going to have wine even for the Talat Kosos. that's the that's the chiddush here of the Mishnah similarly if a person says I'm not going to have meat until the fast. He doesn't mean till the fast, and including the fast. 
uh, he means till the Erev Yom Kippur when it's a mitzvah to eat. And that's what he means, which is a special idea that you're supposed to have meat on Erev. Erev you know, it's a festive meal that you're supposed to have on Erev Yom Kippur. Um, and that's, uh, so that's what that's talking about. Uh, okay. Um, next, Rabbi Yossi, this is Rabbi Yehuda's talking. Rabbi Yossi says another level, that even something that's really only rabbinic in nature, not even rabbinic, it's like a minhag, that uh, to eat garlic on Friday night, so if he says, I'm not going to have garlic till Shabbos, he doesn't mean Shabbos, even, even though he says Shetehe Shabbos, so maybe it should be after, so he says, no, he means obviously Friday night, where there's an Indian to specifically have garlic um, if um, uh, before um, for Tamid Chachamim, because as we learned earlier, that it helps in in the area of uh, whatever strengthens the body as far as uh, having being able to have relations, and that's when is the customary time for uh, for Tamid Chachamim to have relations with their wives on Friday night. Okay. So it's connecting to that. Uh, if a person says, I'm not going to benefit from you if you don't come and take for your son a, um, this amount of food, of, 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 of wheat, and two barrels of wine, whatever. Basically, he wants to provide something. But he feels very appreciative to this person. He wants to provide something for his, uh, for his son's wedding. And he says, you can't benefit from me unless you accept this. Like He's forcing him to accept it. Um, and uh, for that, you don't need a chacham to be matuneder. You could say, "Look, you did it for my honor." Telling you, it's my honor to be able to, to be able to pay for this myself. I appreciate it. Thank you, but no, thank you. And the, the fact of the matter is, it would nullify the vow automatically. The same same idea. Um, um, the reverse, where the guy says, "You know, you can't benefit from me unless you provide for me this stuff." Um, that also can be removed according to uh, Reb Meir says you got to pay it that's it the Chum say no there too the person could say look it, it's Tully and me and I can say it's as if I got it you know I didn't know your situation whatever it is and that being that it's uh, my vow was that you can't benefit from me unless I receive that I can say it's as if I received it and that works just as well now uh, that's uh, the second halach of the mission third halach of the mission interesting case is where the person is pushing, the people are pushing him to marry his niece and he doesn't want to marry and he says she cannot benefit from me forever to just get them off his back. And the same is after a person who's divorcing his wife and he says, my wife can never benefit from me ever again. So that doesn't mean, even though he's saying that those words not to benefit at all, he don't, in either case, we don't take it to mean that that's what he means. What he, pre- what he really means is he's not benefiting. That's not the problem. He doesn't want to be married to either of them. Okay, so that's all it's saying. So, of course, he can do something nice to his ex-wife. He can give her things. He can give her a lift. He can do stuff for her. Similarly, for his niece, it's not, it's just, he said it in a very strong way, but he did, we, we understand from the context what it was that he really was trying to bribe himself um, and what his intent was. And that's the way we know the halacha. Okay, and the same is true. Somebody's pushing him that he should eat by him, and he says, "I'm not walking into your house." He doesn't mean I'm not going to even have a 
drink of cold water. Um, it, you can go in and have a drink of cold water because even though that's what you said, that's not what you meant. You meant it, that you're not going to have, a, you're not going to sit down for a long meal with him. That's really what you meant, and that's what we understood, and that's the end of where we left off yesterday, and that's the review. One second. Okay, so we're actually touching on a brand new topic pretty much, even though it's the topic is still in the Durham, but up until now we were talking about what qualifies as the nether, what does he mean when he's saying those words in the nether. Now we're talking about the basis for being matir and nether. Okay? So, as we, so we're now that we're, we're working in the side of the chachamim. As we know, you can go to a chacham to basically be matir, a person, untie you from the vow that you've made. And the question is what type of basis can a chacham use? What are, what's part of the tool set that a, that a chacham can use to free a person from the vow? That's the focus. So Rabbi Yezer, Omer, Poskin, they can find an opening, la'adam b'chvod aviv imo, with the honor of his mother, and with her, of his father and mother. That's Rabbi Yezer's opinion. The idea is, is that um, when, you know, again, we want to say, we want to find the scenario where the person will regret uh, that had I thought about that, I never would have made this vow. That's the concept. So what they're doing is they're saying, you know, one of the great things, you know, if your mom and dad would know, you know, about this type of thing, don't you think they would be embarrassed that they raised a son who makes vows and everything? Don't you regret doing that and, you know, like, uh, be, you know, ruining the family name, etc., etc.? So the, the guilt trip of uh, what the effect is going to have on his parents that's what you want to use as the basis. Question? Okay, good. Okay, go good. All right, no problem. Uh, okay. Okay, so um, so the, the Gemara, so that's the mission. So according to Rabbi that's a perfectly valid basis they could use to find a way to permit the vow. Prohibit that. They said that that's not going to work. Um, because what we're afraid of, we'll see more as far as the reasoning why. Um, the, because the idea is, is that, you know, possibly one of the ideas that Gemara brings, the, the Gemara will bring down, is that, you know, the guy will lie. <laughs> He'll say, yeah, I never would have made that had I known. Because he feels bad to say, I really could care less what my parents think. He's, not, he's embarrassed to say that. So therefore we'll say, yeah, I never would have made the vow had I known how bad they would feel or whatever it is. Okay, so uh, the, the point being is that we're, not, we, we're afraid of not complete truth. Now, um, the thing is, Amr this is really where you take it to a higher level. Why are you bothering with the honor of one's father and mother? Um, why don't you, you know, forget the parents? What about God? What would God think of the, of the fact that you're, that you're making vows in anger, etc., etc.? That's that, you know, God is upset about it. Would you be embarrassed of that? And that's where the Gemara, the Mishnah explains him, Cain in the dark. But if that's true, that you could use uh, uh, God as a factor, so then there'll never be a vow, because nobody is going to have the chutzpah to say, yeah, even though I know God looks down on this, I still meant to do it. Uh, you're not going to say that. So you'll, you'll, you'll lie. You'll say, yeah, I never would have made the vow, even though it's not true, even though you really meant to make the vow. So because it's not a true nether, therefore it's a flawed nether. Now, 
However, the Chum will agree to Rabbi If it's something that's connecting to his parents, then yes, then even they'll agree that you can introduce the basis for nullifying the vow with, based on the honor of the father and mother. Furthermore, Rabbi Lezer says, you can open up with nolad. Um, with the nolad, meaning a brand new, uh, uh, a new idea that was, not, that was not even there beforehand. Okay, that's the big, big question that you know, many times people don't realize about this basis. Something new that was not expected. And that's what Rabbi Lezer allows for. that. Kate said, what's an example of a nolad? Okay. So, Amar Konim Shaninana Leish Ploni. I will never benefit. He makes a vow. He's not going to benefit from this person. And what happened? As luck would have it, Vanasa Sofer. And now I need a pair of tefillin. I need my mezuzahs checked, etc. What am I going to do? I didn't expect that he's going to become a, a Sofer. So, or for O, O, Shaya Mesi has been O. And, uh, you know, um, and uh, now, Vamar Ilo Yisia Dea, Shunasa Sofer, Osha Yemesi is Beno, Bekarov, Lo Yisinoda. I never would have, you know, you know, listen, he ended up becoming his Mechud. You can't have a situation where he's prohibited, okay? As, you know, he didn't expect that that would happen. It's a no lot. So that I never would have made the vow. I didn't know that outcome would have occurred, but that's something new. So according to Rabbi Ezer, you can still bring that in. Okay, lo yisi noder konim v'baisesh ani nichnas. I'm never going to walk into this house. And then v'nasa beiskanesis. Sure enough, the house becomes a shul, and now that's the only shul in town. He wants to go to shul. You know, he has the yard site, whatever it is. Amar ilo yisi adesh v'nasa beiskanesis lo yisi noder never would have made the vow. Rabbi Ezer matter. Rabbi Ezer says all those are valid. A basis for nullifying the vow, say it's not acceptable. Now, says the Gemara, my What does it mean, If so, there are no nidarim. If you say, if you can open with a kavod mahamakom, then there's no vows. Basically, you did away with the entire parsha of vows. What does that mean? Somewhere Abaya says, this is what it means. No, in nidorim, nidorim Vows will never be properly permitted, and that's like the idea that I, I, I said before. As the Ran explains, that basically the person doesn't really mean it when he says, um, "Yo, had I known, I never would have made the vow." He's just embarrassed to tell you the truth that he made the vow, and he could care, and he didn't care enough about what what God thinks. That's the principle, and that's the chachamim applied even to father and mother as well. Uh, that, you know, he's embarrassed to say that he, had he known, he never would have made the vow. That's the answer according to Abai. That's what it means, imkein e'nidorim. What about Rava? Rava Amar? No. Imkein e'nidorim nish'olin l'chacham. People will no longer go to the chacham to be sholneder. They'll say, oh, I, I, this vow is never, you know, like, I'll, they'll, they'll feel free to be matter their own vows. And that's the problem. The problem is they'll do away with the rabbi. The rabbi's going to be out of a job. Not, not, I'm being a little facetious here. It's not that we're worried about the rabbi's job, but it, people will lightly, on that basis, nullify their own vows, thinking that it's a valid vow, and it's not so simple. Okay? It's not automatic.
Okay, so so the Gemara asks. Oh, so the Gemara says Tanan. We learned in our Mishnah that if it's something that was the vow was related to their parents, to his parents, then you could bring it up. Now, this reads very nicely. Why? Over here, we're not really worried that he's going to be embarrassed. Because look at the nature of the vow that he made already. He said, I'm never going to step foot into my parents' home or whatever. It's relevant to them. I'm not going to benefit from them. So obviously, his relationship is somewhat strained with his parents. So he's not too embarrassed to say that, you know, to say that, oh, really, I would have made the vow anyway. So unless it's true that, uh, that he cares about the honor of his parents, he wouldn't say it. Because obviously he has some sort of chutzpah. given the And therefore, he's, not, he's going to tell you the truth and he'll say it straight. And therefore, it's a valid opening. But according to Rav, so people will, on that basis, not go to the Chacham. So too, they're not going to go to the Chacham here. So the Chacham might post them. Why are we allowed to open it up? It's like an easy opening that anybody can make up. The answer is, Since most of the time, that's not relevant to parents, you can't do it without a Chacham. So they already know the established system is that if you've got a vow that you're stuck on, you're going to go to the Chacham. Even though this is, let's say, an easy out that you could have thought of on your own and you didn't need the Chacham to come up with it. The bottom line is, is that most of your system is that you know that other vows I need the Chacham for. So I'm going to go to the Chacham so we don't have to worry about that. And that's the, same, that's the answer according to Rava. Okay. Brings us to the next uh, step. So this is, again, a leniency of Rebbe what qualifies as a... Pesach as the opening, and then he says, "Furthermore, we also can open with Nolan. Nolan again meaning something that was brand new, unexpected that came about. So where does Rebbe Leizer get his idea? We understand the Chacham's idea that you can't bring in Nolan, but I mean that's like self understood. Um, um, so the question is." My time to On what basis does he show you need a source to say that you're able to be poseach with Nolad? So Amr Rabbi Chiz says it comes from a pasuk. What does the pasuk say? Ki all those people who are trying to kill you passed away. They're dead. Now, dying is something new. It's a new circumstance. What's going on over here? Remember, this is talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu ran away from Egypt. And that was because Dasan and Aviram had it out for him. And, um, and he, he swore to stay with Yisrael. And now he wants to go back to Egypt. And basically the Rabbanu the massive God himself, is being matir nether for Moshe by saying, you only reason why you said you, you swore that you're not going back is because you're afraid that they're going to kill you. Well, don't worry, they're dead. They're not going to be able to kill you. Okay. Now, the Vamisa Dinolidhu, death is a new thing. And we see, Mikancha, Poska Binolid. And the God was using, if it's good enough for God, then it's good enough for us. That's what Rebeliezer is seeing over here. What's the Pshat according to Rabbanon? Seemingly, that's a nice Raya, because death is definitely a Nolid. It's a new circumstance that was not, clearly not an expectation. 
For Rabbanon, what's the reasoning of the Rabbanon? They did not die. Das and Avir were alive and well still. The word Nitzim, that was Das and Avir. When we use the word Nitzavim, that was Das and So all the way later, by the, by the rebellion of Korach, who was at the forefront of that rebellion? Das and Avir. So, so, so what's going on? They didn't die. So then why did it say that they're dead? What does the Pasuk mean? They became poor. So they lost all their influence. Okay? And that's what it means that they're dead. They're dead in a sense. They're dead. Okay? Meaning there's nothing to worry about. We're going over all these various people who are still alive, technically, but they're as if they're dead. Somebody who has no children is Chashub Kemes. Shenemar Havalivanim Vimayim Mesonach. That's a Rachel said, Give me children. She, she told Yaakov, You have to pray for me that I have children. Why? Because without children, I'm like dead. Betanya, and we learned in the price, There are four groups of people that are considered as dead. Ani, a poor person. Umetzora, um, a person in, who has saras, the summa blind man, or Mishin Lopanim, somebody who doesn't have children. Ani Dixiv, how do I know Ani? Dixiv Kimesu Kalanoshim. So that they became poor. Mitzora Dixiv, I'll not take because that's when uh, Moshe Davana may have for Miriam, she shouldn't feel like a dead person. Mitzora is isolated, left alone, ignored. So that's the idea. Same thing with the, with the poor man, nobody wants to hear what he has to say. Nobody gives any credibility when you're poor. So that's the, what it means, kind of like being dead. Visuma, where do I see a blind man is considered as if he's dead? I'm placed in the dark, like the dead people. Okay, so in other words, in a sense, a person who's blind also is disconnected from the world. So that's the idea. So what's the, what does this have to do with the, the Chacham? So the Chacham is saying this is not a nolad because yes, it's true that Misa, actual death, is definitely something new. But getting rich and poor, that happens naturally. That's automatic. The people are, there's people who make it big and then they go downhill. And that's the story. And that's really what's going on over here as well. So the Chacham is saying this is not a nolad because it's not true Misa. And therefore... It wasn't, it's not a raya that you can actually use nolad as a basis. And that's the end of this piece. And we'll stop over here. Pleasure learning with everybody. Have a beautiful, beautiful day. Okay. All right. Shkoch.